invite you now to join our conversation, an instrument of healing as we share how each of us can grow through times of illness, grief, and loss. Our wish is through these words you will discover a healing community that promotes insight, reignites hope, and nurtures peace. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Conversations with Kelly. This is Jeffrey Cloninger, your podcast producer. I almost said host, but kind of a host, but Kelly Grosslocks is the host, (laughs) right? She's the guest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we interview each other, we talk, and Mm -hmm. hopefully we uh, give you some nuggets that are helpful to you along the way, right? Yes. I'm so grateful always to be able to do these podcasts because it's a way we can reach people um, near and far. And I, and I love that. I have really enjoyed hearing the different people that have been listening to our podcast. You know, I want to, I do want to remind people it's important to subscribe yeah, um, because that, um, you know, it, it allows you to be updated obviously as well. And then, and please share these because really our main goal in this is to get messages out to people that need them. Right. You know, and the conversation that we have or you have Kelly conversation with Kelly is about creating more conversations among Mm -hmm. those of you who are working through something, living with something, and we're creating a community through that. Yes, absolutely we are. And today we're talking about, is what we're doing enough? Mm -hmm. Gosh, a question I ask myself all the time. Isn't that interesting? So many different directions. What's your answer? Gosh, depends, right? (laughs) (laughs) Who's asking? Generally, it's no. Uh, (laughs) Right? (laughs) You know, generally our answer is no. Nope, you're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. Do more, do more, better, faster, stronger. Mm -hmm. So today's podcast um, is is really centered around a beautiful story that was shared with me probably, oh, I don't know, two years ago by a wonderful woman named Kimberly who gave me permission to share this. It is in my book, A Comforted Heart. And it has become, in the last two years, an incredible, incredibly influential experience in my life because... That is a setup. Yeah, right. Nice. Well, it it truly has. I will often think about it when um, maybe I'm not even acknowledging how profound just daily things we do to to get through our lives, um, how profound they can be. And I'll just share the story quick. Kimberly lived with um, metastatic breast cancer. It had metastasized to her bones um, and to the point where her bones broke and she needed to have surgically to have replacement of a hip. But nevertheless, um, it, it would make doing things that maybe we take for granted, very difficult, walking up a step, whatever it may be. So she, in my book, and she wanted me to share this um, as often as I could. And the the beautiful thing about Kimberly is when she said it, it wasn't righteous. It was, um, it wasn't like I did this and everybody should think about things this way. It was so profound when she said it. In fact, it became more profound as I kept calling it out. Like this is the, one of the most incredible things I've ever heard. And she was simply sharing a story for me because she was so overly grateful and impacted. Um, she was somebody who was very active. And of course, having cancer in the bones cha- can change that for people because of pain and 
ability, but um, she was a younger woman at that time in her 50s, and she and her family went hiking, and there were four of them, um, and they, they went on a hike, and they were tired, and she was just the whole time she was thinking to herself, like, this is so cool that I'm doing this hike. What the other three were thinking, um, besides that these are beautiful terrain, is they were forward thinking, not necessarily living in the moment of, um, and at the end they were starting to talk to each other about what is going to be the reward for doing this hike. And they were all listing things like a martini or whatever that may be, something of indulgence. And for Kimberly, when they got to her, her answer was this. This is my reward. This meaning the hike. This meaning the ability that I could do this. So if nothing else, it was that it is a lesson in what we are doing at this moment is more than enough. And it yeah, was Yeah, so, it's not just enough. In this case, it was everything. It was everything. And when you are when you are faced with something that maybe you'll never do again and then you absolutely then you actually get to do it even though you didn't think you could do that that was so incredible and it's that concept and this isn't anything against the family this is just we all if we're all open we get mo- teachable moments every day of our life and they can come in the they can come in a conversation with somebody if we're actually listening to hear them and so they're forward thinking. They're not in the moment of how great my body just did this. They're thinking about, because we live in a very reward and punishment society. Um, and she was, she was in tears when she was sharing this with me because it was so profound. And she said it was this, this was her reward. Like she needed nothing more in that moment or in that day to feel gratified and to feel accomplished and to feel proud. Like it was enough. And she had gone back, you know, I remember when I would work with her towards the end of her life, um, when she became bed bound, we talk a lot about that hike because what she could do is recall that in her memory and she would smile and she could go back to that feeling. And, you know, that's really if you think about it, that's so profound because we're not going to go back to that momentary, oh, that martini or that, you know, that piece of chocolate cake. I mean, that isn't going to really live within us to the extent that that this, quote unquote, did right, for her. Right. And one of the necessary ingredients in her experience was gratitude. Oh, it was it was incredible. And, you know, for the next three or four days, she was sore and in pain and, and all of that. And some people may have said, why did you push yourself? Because I could. I mean, that was the thing, because she could. And, yes, she rested for four days, but that yeah. trade-off. It, it really, Jeffrey, truly, it's... Um, and it didn't mean that it was easy for her either. No. Right? She could, uh, because she did. And I'm sure it was a challenge going into the hike. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And actually, she was so caught up when she started of, I may not be able to do this. And what if I can't do this? And I really want to do this. And so she was so really in her head about that. And then once she got out of her way, she could do it. I mean, she did do it. And it maybe wasn't in the time frame, like maybe it would have only taken an hour. This took three hours because she wanted to pace it. That, again, I have found for people, that doesn't matter. No. Really. That isn't, you know, there's that there's that mentality of a marathon runner 
that's very different mentality of somebody that is truly allowing themselves to appreciate the now and the moment. There's a very different mentality in that. That marathon runner is completely fixated on a better time, a better outcome, a A better whatever, a goal. And that's great. Absolutely. For the marathon runners listening, that's absolutely great. There's also an opportunity, however, to be happy that your body could even run a mile. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is that kind of concept as well, too, that is it enough at some point that your body ran a mile? So this is all about showing up. Showing up and perspective, really. And it's not about feeling guilty that you want to run 26.2 miles in a certain time. It's not about that. This isn't shame on anybody that wants to do it better. It's a reminder. This podcast is a reminder Mm -hmm. to be enough and allow yourself to feel enough in a moment. And, you know, I, I am continuously reminded by the people I work with that what may be feel like an ordeal to me is a privilege to somebody else. And um, I'll use the grocery store for an example. Going to the grocery store for me is like, I kind of dread it. I, I don't like the experience. Let's be honest. You you really dislike it. Uh, well, I, right. I know I, this about I you. I do. And yet when we were in quarantine, um, that was my social outing. So, you know, it was, but it, so there, I really have perspective on it now. And I should feel very privileged that I can go to the grocery store, not only physically, but that I financially can go and I can afford food for my family and all those things. However, I'm human. And it's one of those things that for me, it's an ordeal, bagging your groceries, coming home, even trying to figure out what should I buy, what's going to be healthy, having guilt around choices I made, whatever, coming home, having to carry, you know, and then stopping and going, well, what's my reward for going to the grocery store? I'm going to buy this chocolate cookie. No. My reward for going to the grocery store is that I can go to the grocery store. Right. You know, and right. so that is, that's been very eye-opening for me. Honestly, I think about it every single time I have to do something. Oh, there's so many weeds in the garden. I got to go out and I got to garden that. And that becomes an ordeal to me. Boy, is that a privilege for somebody that doesn't have the energy or the stamina to do that or doesn't even have a home. Like maybe they're homeless they would do anything to have a garden to weed. So I, again, this isn't about shaming any of us because trust me, I have been, I am, I have been the absolute best person about complaining or whatever. I got to do this. I really try to think of it differently now. Like, okay, well, what's going to be my reward for doing all this yard work? My reward is the yard work. Like mm-hmm. it looks nice. I can do it. I physically can do it. And so the podcast really is about, and that was, and maybe I didn't weed the entire garden. Maybe it's enough that I went out and I weeded for five minutes. And I should feel proud about that. And you can celebrate that. And I can celebrate that because I can do that. Yeah. You know, and so, and I see that so often, Jeffrey, especially with my oncology patients, who um, their ability to do things is not so much their motivation or their desire to do things. It is really dictated by their body, their fatigue, their symptoms, their pain, their nausea, whatever it may be. It's not that they don't have a desire to do things because they do. And so we look for those moments in their day that that we can embrace and celebrate that, that was enough. Or my patients who have 
horrible depression or horrible anxiety that really dictates. It's not that these are lazy, unmotivated people, which is what their story is, or bad people. That's not it at all. And so we look at, well, what, you know, what, think, tell me your day. Like, what, what, what did you do? Well, I called my mom and wished her a happy birthday, but I really, quote unquote, should have gone over there with flowers, or I should have made her a meal, or I should have. And I, what I do is, you know, I kind of do the should stop. It's like, thank you for that. Right. And, you know, you and I laugh a lot about that Bob Newhart. Um, <laughs> Stop it sketch Bob, from the 70s. Oh, my gosh, you guys, if you haven't seen it, please Google it. It's What is it on? I, I don't know. YouTube. I'm sure it's on YouTube. And it's Stop It. And it's where, and it's a playoff of this. I mean, it's not the way I would ever practice psychology, but it's, you know, where somebody's like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done this. Well, stop it. You know, and I, I <laughs> it's do. It's really that simple. It Duh. is. Right. <laughs> As if, you know. <laughs> and so what I want to do is I want to stop it to the shame and the shoulds and all that. That's yeah. what I want to stop. Yeah. Because that's pretty incredible that you had the energy to call your mom because mm -hmm. there were probably was a day where you couldn't. And then let's even embrace and invite in there will be a day you could bring the flowers and you will yeah. bring the flowers. You know, another way of looking at this too, for those who are physically not able to do, mm -hmm. um, I think you could be grateful for having a hope or having a desire, mm -hmm. right? It's about honoring that you have a vision, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Even if you are not able to carry out that vision, it's, yeah. it's about hope at the same time as it is about being grateful for having that hope. Yeah. And you know what I always remind people of is they struggle and, and um, feel sad when they can't do it. That's an investment in love. That tells me that they care about that person. They love, a, mm -hmm. they love that person enough that it upsets them. And yeah. I guess that we can just call it out. And you, when you call your mom and say happy birthday, you say to her, Mom, I'm feeling really sad and disappointed that I don't have the stamina to come over today. Like that, that makes me really sad. And that and enough can be a connection. And, mm -hmm. and again, what you're doing is enough because it's what you can do. And I think we have to be very, um, you know, I, I, again, there's such a fine line between, yes, I want people to work towards, um, their goals and their desires and their wishes. And I also want people to fill themselves up in the moment that it is enough because you'll never, you really won't, you won't be able to go to that future place without entering the now and being in the now because it is. And um, many of you have heard about our friend Brian Pyatt who said one time that the way to the future is through the now and that was profound for me. That was like... It's really the only way to the future. But think we try it. to go around the now and think that we get to skip over the now. And if we live in the now, like, this is enough. And that's what I love about Kimberly's story is she was so in the now. And, you know, when people are facing the end of their life, I have noticed that they are the most beautiful teachers and truly embracing the now. You know, you guys, I have had the privilege of sitting with somebody on their in their sunroom. And I remember a, a woman very 
very, I remember her like this was yesterday. And she was laying in her hospital bed, and we put her head up so that we could have a conversation. And she would fall asleep, you know, in and out of our conversation. But I will never forget when she caught the sight of a bird. It was like a blue jay or something out her window. And to watch her watch that bird was one of the most profound things in my life too because, and it was like I didn't want to tarnish it with words, so I just like embraced that moment and just to watch her watch that. And then when she was done, when her gaze went off that bird, I said, what were you looking at? I knew what she was looking at because I looked out and I saw this blue, and she said, the blue in that blue bird or that blue in that blue jay was so like beautiful. And I said to her, I said, have you seen a lot of blue jays? And she said, yeah, but I've never seen them so blue. Mm. And, and I said to her, um, and I said, well, what, you know, what do you think of when you think of the color blue? And we started talking. And then she said, you know, when you're looking at something for the last time, it's like you're seeing it for the first time. Wow. And Right. And it's like, I just, I, again, I just sat with her and I just said, well, first of all, I thanked her, but I just said, that is so profound. She said, that's what we do when we're dying. We look at things. Mary Oliver, Oliver would say you're paying attention. Yeah. Right. You're absolutely paying I love Mary Oliver. And, but you guys, I got to, I got to have a front row seat in, and I often have, in how profound simplicity is. And I truly like that bird was beautiful. But again, that bird was her this. Like she didn't have to get caught up in, oh, what are she going to have for dinner? It better be good. It better be this. It better be that. It was like in this moment, because she was paying attention, as you say, she just, and she was so, um, her face, and you know, and she was very fatigued. Again, between sentences, she kind of doze off, as as many people do. That can be pain, that can be dying, whatever. But when she was awake and she looked at that bird, and I remember it was to the right, and she was in this hospital bed, and she truly looked at like the way she was looking at that is maybe like you and I, you know, would look at something so grandiose that we're like. Oh, and yet, she, when she said, you know, when you're dying, or she said, it was actually really cute. She said, you know, us dying people, when we look at things for possibly the last time, it's like we've seen it for the first. And that, you guys, right there is a beautiful, beautiful way to approach your living. And that, you know, and I understand if you're listening to this and you have depression or you have anxiety, um, it may feel really hard because you're now or you're in deep grief, your now is so painful and you want to be anywhere but your now. Yeah. And I have been there. However, it is where we are. And what can you do to soothe your now if it's painful? What can you do? Is it music? Is it a person? Is it a dog? Is it a cat? Is it a bird? Is it a whatever? To soothe your now, because her now, by the way, was very painful. She was physically in pain, but she also knew that she was going to not live to see a certain milestone in her life that she wanted to live. However, what could she do to soothe that moment? And it, it's not like she intentionally called in that bird. She can't. It's that she paid attention. She, in that moment, was physically and metaphorically awake. 
and it was so beautiful. I will just her. Yeah, and she has to, and we have to, in some ways, find better ways to make friends with our pain. Well, as you said, to be right. comfortable, to be comfortable with our uncomfortableness. Absolutely. I mean, we all want soothing, and we want to feel good or feel better, mm-hmm. but. I've and, done a, yeah. a, a lot of reading that I've done and a lot of practicing is just sitting with it. Um, and who, who wants to dwell on that? But at the same time, if you can give yourself some of that space yeah. to be present to wherever it is you are, the pain, the joy, all of it, yeah, all of it, then you have room to work through it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And again, I'm probably one of the least Pollyanna people you're going to meet. Um, truth. I mean, truly, I, I just don't, I don't, I, I so know when stuff comes out of my mouth, there's always a, yeah, but you know, (laughs) that could, you could come back at me with, and you can do that if you want to do that. You can also choose another way. And I, I just think, you know, you guys, I, I've been on my knees in so much pain. I have, I mean, this, this comes from years of being in really dark places and also, like having a friend send me a quote that maybe in that moment I was reading it like it would be my last time or my first time reading it. But in a moment, I allowed myself to just feel comfortable and safe for a minute. And, you know, my concept of caring versus healing that is focused around disease, terminal disease, but it also applies to situations in our life that happen that we cannot change. And that might be a history of abuse. That might be um, somebody that we love so much and they died. And that, or we got a divorce from somebody that we had a lot of futuristic dreams with. We can't change that, but we can heal within that story. And, And so, yes, my concept of curing versus healing is is, is centered around an incurable disease, but it has grown as I've done this work into it's also about a situation we can't change, but we can heal from the story of that situation. And in a moment, and believe me, when you've lost somebody so close to you, the fact that your feet touch the ground in the morning and you get out of bed is profound profound and that you read a book that maybe comforts you or listen to a song that comforts you that is the healing within the moment we can't change it we can't we can't change that we grew up in an abusive household but we can do our healing work and become a person that expresses love and and works towards humanity feeling safe and all of those things, that is how we heal. And that, you know, we start within our own homes. That's enough. We don't have to go out and be a huge advocate and Mm-mm. activist in the world. If we want to, that's great. But we start within our own home. This is going to be a safe home. That's how we heal the story. That's how the story, when, we, when I say to my patients, that is no longer your story. That's what I mean. And that's where we can heal things. And that's that's an example of the bird, the hike, the whatever, the going to the grocery store and appreciating it. That is where it becomes our this, 
are enough, where we become enough in that moment, even with our ugly, messy pain. Like we are enough. And we get, we stop the shoulds. Um, I remember my friend Donna saying we shouldn't should on ourselves, you know, and <laughs> I, love I, that. I loved that. And I think that's just really important. So pause right now after you've listened to this, just pause in the moment and wherever you're at, like l- allowing yourself to listen to this podcast and allow your, allowing yourself to just for a moment hearing this and hoping and maybe believing even for a minute that in this moment you're safe is enough. It really is enough. That is your this. And that is what I think is just so beautiful. Um, And I know for a fact that I was called to do the work that I do. And I'm telling you, it is such a beautiful privilege. And I think I said to you last night, Jeffrey, is that I've had like an amazing career that I continue to have that most people would not want to have. Like, I mean, I hear that all the time. Yeah, I hear it too. I'm, I'm when I'm with you, I'm like, how can you do <laughs> that? How can you do what you do? But it's what like, you how do, not, you know, how could you not? Because what you do is is enough for you. And as we said earlier, enough is all of it. And I've often said to you, I want to do more. 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 And then I think, oh my gosh, I get like, I mean, some people get front row seats to Hamilton. I get front row seats to people watching a bird and I would not trade them for anything Mm. because they last and I get to share them with all of you. And so today as we part and as we, um, as we go, here is your message. You are enough. And and that maybe you want to be more or do more or embrace more. And you have to, in order to do that, though, you have to be in the now. And let's just be there, know that you are loved, and that life is an ever-evolving cycle. And that pain doesn't last forever, nor does joy. However, embracing both and all, um, that's a full body, human soul experience. And I wish that for all of us to have moments of joy um, as well, to have, to have moments of hope, even amongst despair. So look for your bird today and, and be with your this. Kelly and everyone, thank you. Thank you for listening to this CWK podcast. It's our hope that these words bring comfort, healing, and insight to your life, wherever you are and whatever you're experiencing. Please subscribe and share this episode. You can also follow and like Conversations with Kelly on Facebook. One quick note, we've done our best to share some ideas, tips, and techniques to help guide you. This podcast's content is not intended to be a substitute for or constitute professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We encourage you to seek professional medical advice if needed. Thank you.